Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivani. I'm delighted to welcome Jeff Arnold to Raise the Line today. Jeff is a pioneer in digital information with decades of success creating and leading companies that leverage technology to provide easy access to knowledge, including WebMD and How Stuff Works. Since 2010, he's been chairman and CEO of ShareCare, a company whose founding investors include the likes of Oprah Winfrey, Sony Pictures Television, and Discovery Communications. ShareCare is a leading health and wellness engagement platform that provides people with personalized information, programs, and resources to improve their health, whether they download the ShareCare app themselves or access its platform to a self-insured employer, health plan, or coming soon, health system. It has experienced significant success throughout the pandemic and is just about to go public and begin trading on the NASDAQ exchange. I'm really looking forward to asking Jeff about ShareCare's pandemic experience, role in the digital health landscape, and where he sees ShareCare and digital health going in the next decade. So Jeff, it's an honor to meet you. Thanks so much for being with us today. Great. Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you as well. So I'd like to start by learning more about your background and what led to your interest uh, first in digital media and information and then in the healthcare space. Sure. So I went to the University of Georgia and my senior year, my sister called me and said, I can get you a job uh, selling pharmaceuticals. And uh, I left school early. I didn't really know yet quite what I wanted to do and flew out west, got trained, uh, became a a pharmaceutical rep. And my girlfriend at the time was going to uh, Emory Nursing School. And I used to go have breakfast with her in the morning as she was getting off the graveyard shift and met a doctor. And the doctor started talking to me about people that have uh, transient heart symptoms and was describing it to me. It's like taking your car to the mechanic and you tell the mechanic your car is making a noise and it doesn't happen at the shop. And then you drive a few miles away and you hear it again. And uh, I started going over to his house. Uh, he taught me how to read EKGs. And I remember still the book was uh, Dale Dubin's, like, like it was like EKG for dummies or something. But uh, I learned how to read EKGs. I quit the pharmaceutical company. I got on a plane. I've never been out of the country before. Flew over to Tel Aviv and got somebody to make me a heart monitor. Uh, that was the size of an American Express card, and you would put it up to your heart, and it would record the EKG, and you transmit it through the phone line. So it was like kind of the early days of telemedicine or remote patient monitoring, and uh, that's what got me into healthcare. And that was, uh, you know, kind of early '90s, and kind of never looked back. That's pretty incredible. I didn't know that background about you. Um, when I was first getting into medical school, a live core came out, and this was early 2010s. Dr. Dave Albert, and what you what you were just describing is basically what a live core created, but 20 years earlier. Yeah. So there was a company. Uh, it was called Cardiomedics in Tel Aviv, but it was it was awesome. That so you know it was hard to capture the EKG during symptoms, and so you just pull it out of your purse or wallet and you put it up to your heart and put the phone on top of it. And then we had a bank of nurses and you would see the EKG and you could um, print it out and put what the person was feeling and what they were doing at the time. And this is 1998, we grew it up to 60,000 patients a year and the internet comes roaring along and we think to ourselves, man, we should stop sending out all these faxes and uh, we should create a, a homepage for health. And with that kind of idea, we, that's how we started WebMD. That's pretty incredible. We've we've gone through some of the WebMD story. We had John White, who's their current chief medical officer on. And before this interview started, we talked about the godfather of osmosis, Peter Frischoff, who started Medscape, who, who obviously you all at WebMD had acquired. Um, I do want to obviously get, get to know more about WebMD and how stuff works, but you're clearly about to list publicly for ShareCare. So you know, take us back to 2010 when you started it and, and kind of the value prop then and how it's evolved over the past decade in terms of differentiating from those other sites you had helped build. We had sold a company called How Stuff Works to Discovery Channel, 
and I went to Discovery as their global chief digital strategy officer, which means nobody reports to you. <laughs> and so uh, I was there and uh, one day the CEO called me and said, we're doing the Oprah Winfrey Network and she wants to brainstorm with, with Dr. Oz uh, digital health and got on the call and got asked the question, if you could do WebMD over you know, a decade later, how would you do it? And I went to the Wayback Machine. I don't know if you've ever been to that website. And uh, I typed in WebMD and I, I still remember I was actually here in California and I was looking at the site and thinking to myself, you know, it still felt very similar to what it was, you know, a decade earlier and, and providing great quality information, but hadn't evolved past that. And I felt what had changed was now everybody had the smartphone. But the idea of WebMD of health having a homepage was such a big idea because, you know, healthcare is really fragmented. And wouldn't it be great if there was a destination that patients and providers and payers and employers could collaborate on behalf of the person? You know, so we, in 2012, basically I was still at Discovery Channel, um, said in 2012, let's go kind of pursue this dream. Let's try to use these enabling technologies to connect the ecosystem on behalf of the person. And so we've been, you know, pursuing that, you know, for the last nine years. And obviously a lot has changed over those nine years. Um, obviously smartphones are ubiquitous. Digital health is having quite the moment uh, this year. We were just talking about how another one of the companies we work with, 23andMe, just went public on a SPAC. Can you talk about some of the changes you've seen over the past decade and the ultimate hope that you have for ShareCare in terms of what it will do for patients, consumers, and, and health systems at large? Yeah, I, I think you know what we've seen over you know the last decade is there's a lot of fragmentation still. You know, there's all these amazing point solutions out there. Great companies that can help you with your diabetes or can help you do telemedicine or give you a transparency tool and, and the list goes on and on. But what yet to emerge is like, what's a true platform? A platform that is interoperable with the data so that it truly talks to each other. Uh, a platform that's um, user-friendly. So if you gave it to your mom or your kids, they would know what to do. A platform that's affordable for all. So what we've been trying to do at ShareCare is evolve from health having a homepage to what we call altogether better. And what we mean by altogether better is um, we're altogether better uh, when you can bring the ecosystem to the palm of the person's hand. So instead of having a sea of apps on your phone, how could you have one app that could connect you to your doctor, your health plan, and your employer and other point solutions? And then how do you go from a point solution to a platform that in itself is altogether better? And then lastly, how do you go from uh, my health to our health or individual transformation to community transformation? And so the business that we've been building is, is that we like to call a category of one. And the reason we think it's a category of one business is it's very comprehensive. And so we've acquired over 15 companies uh, that we've built this one platform off of. Uh, it's very diversified. And so uh, we sell share cares uh, services and platforms to health plans, employers, government, health systems, and life science companies. And it's very innovative. And so, and we think that's usually important that if you're choosing uh, to adopt ShareCare as a platform, then we have to be your innovation partner and then build a business that can scale so that we can continue to invest in the user experience and, and getting results for our clients and users. I love, especially the transition from individual care to communal care, you know, to be innovative, you, you know, you guys are obviously investing in in data and I, I believe artificial intelligence. Uh, we've had people like Eric Topol and Dan Kraft who are leaders in AI and digital health on the podcast as well. Do you mind talking a bit about how you see that evolving, uh, having all this data, not just with how you can use it for AI, but then also privacy and security concerns, which which often come up in those conversations? Yeah. Uh, how do you put data to work? 
you know, and use data to drive insights and insights to drive action. And for us, there's uh, kind of three data pillars uh, that we work on. One is all around the environment. So how does the environment affect your health, you know, the same way your lifestyle or your genetics do? Um, so we have, uh, you know, invested over $80 million building a community well-being index where we look at every zip code in America and real time, what's their physical health, what's their mental health, what's their financial health, what's their sense of purpose, their sense of community, what are the social determinants of health look like so that we can almost give like a FICA score on every zip code. So it's one thing that's really important to share care. And then in the middle that has come out of the pandemic is what we're calling the emergence of health security. And so how do you tech enable best practices to make sure that your environment is safe? And the same way cyber security protects infrastructure against a virus, how does health security help protect people against this threat and future threats? And so we've built this really interesting share care verification platform that has now been adopted in 75 countries. And then lastly, our core platform is all about resilience. And so we get data from self-reported ways. So 50 million people have taken our real age test. Uh, we get data with your permission through your device. You know, so we're tapping your accelerometer, or tapping sensors for sleep. Uh, we get your claims data. If you're a sponsored user from a, an employer or health plan, I mentioned the SDOH data. And then lastly, this year we'll collect over 5 million medical records where people can come to share care and with their consent, we'll go collect your medical records from you know, various health systems and structure the, the data on your behalf. The idea with the data is um, how do you build resilience, which strengthens health security, which improves well-being. And that's kind of how those three data pillars work together. Wow, that's, that's incredible, like the reach that you have. And obviously, when you have sponsored members, kind of being able to, to get the health plans and health systems to themselves provide some of that additional data. Um, and I like that idea of a credit score for your health and the zip code. So that's actually probably a good good way to transition into how you all have adjusted during COVID, because clearly one of the main things that's come out of the COVID pandemic is this knowledge that not all zip codes are the same, right? The outcomes, the vaccination rates change, and then the pandemic today is flaring in certain zip codes and you know gone way down in, in other zip codes. So can you tell us a bit more about how the COVID pandemic has shaped what you've done at ShareCare? You know, I think that what's you know, come out of the pandemic is people are more than ever self-aware of risk. And so, you know, for digital health, it's become almost like the Super Bowl. I mean, if you can't make it now, you, you can't, you'll never be able to make it. It's almost my, you know, my thinking because it's, a, it's become a C-suite initiative. You know, people from all types of places are super self-aware. And, and we felt that it was our responsibility to have kind of a rapid response to COVID. As a digital health leader, you know, we have 400 plus people in product and tech. And so we went back to kind of our three data pillars and said, you know, what are, what are some things that we could do? And so the first thing we did at the Community Wellbeing Index is we started looking at the domains of well-being through the lens of COVID. And so if, if we were looking at physical health, it was all about how COVID-19 was, you know, affecting people that have comorbidities and other things. If we were talking, looking at financial health, we put it into unemployment and things that were happening in the stock market, but very much adapted our well-being index to have a COVID lens. And in some states, we built out some kind of go-to websites. So one that you can go to now is georgiawellbeing.com. And so we partnered with the governor and the Department of Health and the National Guard. And we said, instead of having 25 state websites, let's develop one website that's a go-to website for all the citizens so that they can 
you know, know where to get tested and all the other important things. Uh, second thing is the one that I just mentioned was, you know, we said if the world was going to reopen and so people felt safe to come back to work or uh, people felt safe to stay in hotels again, there can't be all this fragmentation on, on what all these individual places are doing to make sure that they're COVID ready. So we built a conversational AI chatbot and we built a bunch of analytics. Right now, there's been over 2,000 hotels across 75 countries in the world that have become ShareCare verified. I saw a stat the other day that uh, it's generated already 3 billion media impressions for us this year. Um, so hotels and others putting out press releases that they're ShareCare verified. So we thought that was important. And we think like cybersecurity, that'll be here to stay. And then from the resilience standpoint, you know, we did a survey uh, early on in COVID, uh, a flattening the curve survey. And we had over 100,000 people uh, participate in it. And what it told us clearly that people were under tremendous anxiety and stress, physical stress, uh, financial stress. And so um, uh, we started researching, you know, what types of digital therapeutics could we deploy through our core platform to help. And I, I got uh, introduced to a TED Talk uh, by a gentleman by the name of Dr. Judd Brewer. And his TED Talk, I think, had been watched like 16, 17 million times. And it was all around mindfulness and, uh, you know, how to deal with anxiety and stress and, and other things. And his company was called Mind Sciences. And he's an MIT neuroscientist who runs the mindfulness lab at Brown University. And uh, we acquired his company and he's joined ShareCare. And so we started deploying those digital therapeutics for free to our user base to, you know, help people deal with the pandemic. Well, that's incredible. Uh, I've seen that talk and uh, it's been a boon for mental health companies. We had the chief medical officer at Calm, Omar Dawood, on our podcast as well. And certainly it's, I think, going to be something that lasts for the next few years, which, which is actually, you know, if you were to put on your pontification hat or, or futuristic hat, what do you see as the future for digital health in the next five to 10 years for share care and digital health as a whole? Well, what I hope is, you know, when you hear the name share care five years from now, what that'll stand for is that um, I'm sharing my data with the platform for my insights, but I'm also sharing the data for our insights. Our version of Operation Warp Speed is you know, how with all this machine learning and artificial intelligence and all the data that we've been talking about, can we accelerate research to care? And so simple things that we're doing now, like we just got a patent where I can take a picture of your face and it'll tell you what your BMI is. I can take a picture of food and it'll tell me what's the makeup on the plate and what's the caloric intake. But where we hope that goes is that we're training the AI models on how to optimize diet or how to optimize mood. But this idea that, you know, we're sharing data together so that we can accelerate uh, research to care. Second thing that I think is going to happen is user interfaces are going to start to look more like ways. And so how do I navigate my well-being? And so we're going to become more self-aware that where I live, work and play matters to my health. And we're going to use these technologies to make the healthy choice the easy choice. That's one of the things that we're really working hard at is to figure out how we take our well-being index and how we treat choices as points of interest and so that we can help people navigate their well-being. Last thing is I think that the new UI is going to be no UI, that you're going to be able to go to platforms and with a voice command uh, through a voice biomarker, be able to identify Jeff is Jeff. And this is the last time I had an eye exam. And this is how many steps I took, and this is how I refill my prescription or see my doctor or, you know, understand, you know, what gout is or anything else. It's going to be a voice command away, but highly personalized. 
I love that. I think I remember seeing that press release uh, maybe a year ago now of your collaboration with uh, Amazon and Alexa and introducing an Alexa share care app. And we had Rachel Jang, who's the head of Alexa Health and Wellness, as you may know, on the podcast as well a couple months back. Great. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you see? What's your, what's your prediction? You know, I think, I think you've nailed a couple of those things. I mean, the reason we call this podcast raise the line is everyone talks about a flatten the curve, which is clearly what we've done to, you know, promote social distancing, uh, get people to wear masks, uh, get people to va- get vaccinated. And so certainly anything that gets people more engaged in their own health, not just understanding it, but then taking action, which is why I like your ways analogy is going to be powerful uh, and then providing incentives around that. So, you know, whether people can get, you know, lower premiums or, or some real incentives, just like Geico will drop your premium if you do like a, a driving test or put, put that device in your car. So I think a lot more of a linkage between education and behavior change. And then we call it raise line because we're all focused on, on how do we, we know that there will not be enough clinicians and providers in the world, uh, even though we're trying to train as many of them as possible. It's really incumbent that patients will take care of their own health and become certified caregivers. Or, you know, if you have diabetes, you become an expert in your diabetes even more than your endocrinologist in many ways. So uh, that's where we're focused. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, I think too, this opportunity as providers go from fee-for-service to value-based care, that all of a sudden they start to adopt uh, the same platform strategies and techniques that the big health plans use to manage risk so that they can have more connectivity with the patient. And I kind of, my hopes for all this technology is in, in our world, we call it ShareCare Enabled Doctors. So that when I see the ShareCare logo next to a provider name, that tells me that I can share my data with my doctor and that my doctor can prescribe ShareCare. I think this patient provider opportunity is, is another really big one that how do we use technologies to strengthen that bond? While at the same time, we're empowering people like you just described it, raising the line, much higher than it is today, but that's all viewed as a positive and empowered consumer with, with a connected doctor, you know, is Nirvana. Love it. Yeah, totally. Uh, we're big fans of value-based care at Osmosis. We had Chris Chan at Chen Med and Rushika at Iora leading the way in value-based medicine. I'm respectful of your time. I know we're coming up on, on that, but I would love to talk to you about your decision to go public um, and, and especially do it via SPAC and also a big investment you just got from Anthem. So do you mind giving us a bit of a insight into, into all those decisions? Yeah, just, you know, real quick, we had a board meeting last year, you know, a lot of companies were going public and we said, you know, we're a $400 million company, we're profitable, you know, we're growing 20 plus percent a year, we need to get on the dance floor too, to have access to capital to uh, build our brand, and we're going to go the traditional IPO route, and SPACs got really hot, and we started having a SPAC off where we were getting different SPAC offers, and I'd be honest, I didn't even know what a SPAC was, you know, a year ago. And when I started learning about it, I thought there were some real advantages for ShareCare because we have a really diverse business, uh, which I, I personally love because there's lots of ways to win. But for investors, sometimes it's hard. You know, they like a single comp, like you do this thing and I compare that to, to others like that. When you don't have that clear comp, it's, it's a little more challenging. And I love the ability through a SPAC that you could give forecasts and that you could spend more than 20 minutes on a roadshow with an investor. So you could really dig into it this is what we mean by an empowered consumer. And this is how it connects to a health plan and to an employer. And then this is how we think about the role of the provider. And let's not forget the environment of where they live, work and play. And let's talk about brand permission. You know, can ShareCare have brand permission to help states put vaccines in people's arms to help Delta employees with their back pain and be able to help people in all kinds of different ways. And 
And so that's the route we went. And along the way, uh, we had a really successful pipe offering, which is you know one of the ways you raise capital, as you know, during the SPAC. And we started talking to Anthem and Anthem was a customer previously. And we got excited about this idea of really what ShareCare is and the effort of managing risk is a digital advocate. And could we make additional investments into the platform so that we could be that one-stop shop for the person for their medical insurance, their dental insurance, their vision insurance, but that one stop for everything with a digital first uh, lens. And so they made a $50 million investment into ShareCare in April alongside the pipe and are joining our board of directors. And we're doing a lot of co-development together and hoping to bring that vision to life in early 2022. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I'm sure the SPAC will go really well. And uh, I think it's really smart timing because clearly to accomplish that vision of an empowered consumer, having a publicly listed brand that people get behind, just like Airbnb or Uber will be, will be really important. You know, our audience, we, as I mentioned before we started this, we have over 2 million YouTube subscribers and a couple of million registered users. Most of them are early stage healthcare professionals, many of whom will eventually be share care uh, verified providers. Uh, what advice do you have to them about meeting the challenges of the COVID pandemic and beyond? You know, my hope's always like with, you know, doctors with technologies is that, you know, when I started WebMD, it, it was slow to adopt. Right. And so I, I can remember the early days when I was in digital health of, you know, people would rush into the exam room. They had information they printed off of WebMD and, and doctors weren't ready for that yet. I think doctors will lead the digital health revolution. I think they've grown up with the technology. They understand the power of connectivity and social and being on all the time, but in a good way. And so this idea of a shared care enabled clinician where they have, you know, I almost see like the hospital of the future as we go from sick care to home care, it's going to look more like NASA than it does today with heads in beds. And that, you know, these connected physicians will be able to treat patients in remarkable ways, helping empower them, helping them stay in place. And I look forward to that day. And I think it's coming soon. I think it's the, this next generation of doctors is going to expect nothing different. Totally. Couldn't agree more with that. And that's why we like asking this question is to get, you know, we work with over 150 medical nursing PA schools. And part of why we launched the podcast is to get the students and, and schools thinking about what needs to be in their curriculum so that they're able to leverage tools like ShareCare and uh, and many other tools out there in the next, the way we'll be practicing in a value-based, home-based framework in the future. Well, well yeah, I would just say on that uh, is our strategy for medical students is we're investing in building out the Google Maps of the human body and VR. It's already on Oculus if you want to play with a ShareCare VR, but it's an amazing journey through the body. You know, we have all kinds of ideas of how do we introduce ShareCare to providers of tomorrow with super immersive experiences that they they see the quality of product that ShareCare can produce as they get through their medical school journey. That's awesome. I'll have to bust out my Oculus, which is uh, right behind this poster here. So good. Well, was there anything else you wanted to be able to share with our audience while we have you, Jeff? Or no, I appreciate everything that you guys are doing to drive awareness to all these activities in digital health. I think it's a really important time uh, for, you know, healthcare transformation and you guys getting the word out of what, you know, all these great companies are doing. I think it's amazing and congratulations on all your success. Thank you very much, Jeff, and, and best of luck on the SPAC listing. I really hope I'll be participating, I'm sure. So really hope it goes well. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. With that, I'm, I'm Shiv Ghilani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. Take care.
For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.